it's also great to talk to someone who understands what what it's like and how important it is. Because uh, some people will say, oh yeah, SNL's cool. For nearly 40 years, this story has given faithful service to the young in heart. Welcome to the Fangirl Hour, the podcast where we dive deep into the reasons why we love our fame fandom. Time has been powerless to put its kindly philosophy out of fashion. To those of you who have been faithful to it in return, and to the young in heart, we dedicate this podcast. Hello, welcome to the eighth episode of Fangirl Hour. I'm really excited about today's episode because I got to chat with my good friend Lee Lancaster, and I will let him tell how we met and Without further ado, I will introduce Lee. My name is Lee Lancaster. I, uh, I'm from Canada, and we met online probably around 1988 on a Saturday night. 1988? <laughs> You're not that old, and neither am I. And I don't think there was web boards in 1988. That was, it was not online. It was a bulletin board with... Uh, Pegs. No, it was uh, it was a um, message board around 1998 online about Saturday Night Live, and we were on there and we started chatting and became friends. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and have we ever met in person? No, not yet. <laughs> it's been like what, almost 25 years. <laughs> yeah. Holy cow! It's and pretty magical. That, that is. Meet. Yeah, we should, and that is pretty magical that. We've known each other all this long. It, it, it shows the, the true power of friendship. And we've been through a lot. I mean, I can look back and remember just you were there. Even though if you weren't really there, you were just kind of part of my life. So it's special. Yeah. So moving right along, what is your fandom? How did you come to love this? And describe any background or history you have with this fandom. Okay. Uh, there's a lot there. Uh, well... The fandom I I think is one one of my biggest fandoms is Saturday Night Live. Um, I love it. I still love it. And I first got into Saturday Night Live when I was in about grade seven, and it was after watching Wayne's World. I decided, hey, this show looks cool. And ever since, I've been glued to it. Okay. Yeah. So um, okay, so describe any background or history of, of being in that fandom. Is there anything special that you want to, like, talk about with Saturday Night Live? Well, it's just, I mean, this might sound strange to some people, but it's kind of shaped me as a person. Mm -hmm. uh, a lot of my comedy idols came from Saturday Night Live, people I looked up to. Uh, and it really inspired me to get into comedy and into improvisation and performing and uh, it just really inspires me to love comedy. And I still, I still do. Mm -hmm. what, what are, who are some of your idols? Ooh, that's a really huge question. Uh, of course, I love Dana Carvey. I loved um, Phil Hartman, Mike Myers, that whole generation of performers in the late 80s and early 90s. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And Norm MacDonald. I'd love Norm MacDonald. Mm -hmm. And even though he wasn't a performer, Lauren Michaels, mm -hmm. uh, I just look up to him as this creative genius. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Yeah, yeah. 
Yeah, I already knew a little bit of this because I've known you for so long. We used to discuss yeah. this, but but okay. So next question, um, we'll just move along. What has been the best part of being a fan? If there is one, or is there probably multiple? So, um, well, I mean, I, I just kind of said a little bit. I mean, how it's uh, had huge influences on me in what I do, but friendship, like meeting you, and we're friends. Mm -hmm. um, having having that thing to look forward to the comedy mm -hmm. uh having that in your life is so valuable mm -hmm. which i really i really love mm -hmm. um and you know it, it's brought uh me closer and especially in times of like tragedy and in the world when there are huge events that are really dark i always found that saturday night live was there for everybody um, having some kind of commentary. I mean, one one time that really I still remember is um, after 9-11 when they had the firefighters come to the show and it was like one of the first live comedy shows that came back after the tragedy. And I was just thinking, you know, there's moments like that that just have such an impact on our whole culture. Mm -hmm. And I think that's why I really love it. It's because it's, it's really a history of, you know, our pop culture and like North American society. And that's really cool. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So what's your most memorable moment or moments with SNL? Probably a lot, mm. but you can talk about them. Um, yeah, it's it definitely, definitely a lot. Um, hmm. Like, it's a really hard question to answer. I thought the 40th anniversary was pretty spectacular mm -hmm. when we had everyone there coming back together. That was an uh, amazing night. Um, moments when, as I was growing up, um, taking what I've seen on Saturday Night Live and using it for my own performance and sometimes stealing stuff, but sometimes just being influenced, influenced by someone like Chris Farley. And I remember being in high school and acting like him because I thought he was incredibly funny and he was the best. And I would make my friends laugh or in drama class, I would play characters similar to, to him or other people. That really had a huge impact on me. Mm -hmm. um, so can you remember where you were when Phil Hartman, Chris Farley, and now I guess even Norm MacDonald, when you heard about their passing? Uh, yeah, it was... Well, I mean, Chris Farley was the first one and it was right before Christmas in 1997. And I think I just finished college and a friend of mine called me on the phone and told me it. And it was this like horrifying, you know, it was like a punch in my stomach. And that one hit me really hard. Um, it, and it was one of those things where people would make jokes beforehand because of his like physical shape. They make jokes that about his health. And I always said, no, no, no. It just seemed like that wouldn't happen to him. He wouldn't die. Mm -hmm. And so it just felt kind of surreal. Mm -hmm. And it hurt me a lot. And then it was like Chris Farley dies. And then a couple of weeks later, Norm MacDonald gets fired from Saturday Night Live, oh, yeah. who is another like, like, hero of mine like not even a month later like mm. weeks two mm. weeks later norm mcdonald gets fired which was the weirdest thing and <clears throat> so this is 1998 
And then if you go like five months later, Phil Hartman dies. And that's the, that was a tragedy. I mean, that was a tragedy. So <clears throat> because like, when you think of the wild boys of Saturday Night Live, you never, you never thought about Phil Hartman. He seemed like a family man. He had it together. And I remember when I found out, I was waking up mm-hmm. and the radio was on next to me and I heard it on the radio and I thought it was like a dream. Like it didn't seem real to me. And for a long time after, it didn't seem real. Like he was, yeah, it just, I had no clue that he was in this kind of relationship. and. Yeah. yeah. I, I remember where I was. Um, so when I found out Chris Farley died, I was a freshman in college finishing up my first term. And my brother was uh, down the road at Santa Barbara, uh, UC Santa Barbara. And he came to pick me up. And I got, I he said, you know, he, I came, I saw him. I don't think he had a cell phone. I just knew he was coming. I went down and got in the car and he goes, Chris Farley died. And we were really close. Like he and I would, we watched Chris Farley movies and we would quote them back and forth to each other. Like, <laughs> like just mm-hmm. all the time, every time we see each other and still do to some extent, that was like our thing. And then uh, five months later with Phil Hartman, I, w- I woke up and I went over to my friend's house uh, or not my friend's house, my friend's dorm room, because we were in the dorms, it was almost the end of the year, and he said, sit down, I go, what, he goes, Phil Hartman got murdered, or he died, he said murdered or something, mm-hmm. and he turned on the radio, and I was like, oh my god, yeah, it was, it was pretty dramatic, and pretty tragic, um, and Norm Macdonald, though, I looked it up, he didn't get fired from Saturday Night Live, he got fired from Weekend Update, and then he, he had his contract and, and he, his contract remained, he couldn't go anywhere. So he stayed as like a performer for a little while longer. I just want to make that special like point because people right after he died were making like, like, oh, Nor- like Lauren Michaels was, was talking about Norm at the Emmys or something. And people were like, oh, you, now you like him, but you fired him. It's like, no, he didn't fire him. The big wigs, the executive, what's his, freak um yeah because he was he a friend of yes yes but it wasn't lauren i i it's like lauren didn't really that was his boss you know he can't it's big boss so i think in the grand scheme of things lauren did dear dearly care for for um for norm so yeah, yeah and then norm it was uh yeah it was definitely a shock and the way uh, what did you think where were you when norm past when you heard the news oh like last week or, yeah, a um, weeks i was working and i i i carry my uh my phone with me and i i looked at it and it said norm mcdonald legend dies at 61 and i was like what like the first thing i thought about is a heart attack or, or something like that something sudden um i never thought he was sick for so long and so badly um, so I was like really choked up and I felt like someone punched me in the face. Like what? Mm-hmm. Um, because even up to recently, I would go online and try to look up Norm McDonald and see what he's doing and see if I could find some stand-up sets he's done recently, or I'd watch old talk show appearances on David Letterman or something. So, I mean, I was even, even though the world kind of shut down the last few years, I was always like searching him out. Mm-hmm and looking forward to him doing more. Mm-hmm. Um, there was rumors that 
there there was going to be a dirty work two coming out that Bob Saget was trying to get that started. And I was thinking, well, that might happen. Like literally, I was thinking that a couple months ago, right? So it was just so uh, so shocking. Um, and then like after I heard it, I thought back to some recent interviews he's done and a lot of a lot of what he talked to tended to be more spiritual, a little bit more deeper, philosophical. So mm-hmm. like now you listen to those interviews and they have different meaning. Mm-hmm. So yeah, he knew. Uh, what do you think about the fact that for nine years he was sick and no one knew, no one really knew. And then, I mean, how do you feel about that? What do you think about that? Um. <clears throat> I think it's pretty amazing. I think it's amazing he could do that for one. It must be really difficult. Um, I think that would be torture not to be able to talk about it if it was me, not to tell anybody, because I don't think he really told anyone. I don't think anyone knew, even like probably really close family members. Did. Yeah, I think at one point he, I think one point he must have told family, but yeah. maybe not until it got you know, so bad or whatever. There's videos, uh, YouTube videos that I saw that he had done with his mom in the last year or so. And he's like very skinny. And you can say like, oh, okay. Yeah, he's wearing the hat. So it was definitely, they probably knew, you know. Yeah. Something was coming. But even then, like even in like, I guess the last year, yeah, he was skinny and looked older, but he didn't look like he was dying of cancer. Mm-mm. Like you I wouldn't, wouldn't have know. thought that. You wouldn't yeah. know. Right. Yeah. So he, I think he hit it really well. And uh, part of me really respects that because I also think there's so many celebrities who try to milk it mm-hmm. and they want the sympathy and it feels almost commercialized for their career. And I really respect the fact that he didn't want his situation, it was for nine years, to affect his comedy. Mm-hmm. Right. He wanted to be remembered that way. Yeah. You know, I think it's pretty pretty amazing pretty spectacular mm-hmm. and yeah he's i think he is in our modern times the closest thing we have to like a legend like rodney dangerfield or mm-hmm. those big you know iconic comedians mm-hmm. we have many of them anymore and he i think i think he would be uh, along the lines of like andy kaufman because the way, I mean, even the, when he was fired from Weekend Update, they gave him warnings, stop making fun of O.J. Simpson, stop making fun of O.J. Simpson. And every time somebody would tell him no, he thought he just kept going because he didn't care. He did care. He cared a lot. From what I, I was listening to a lot of interviews with a lot of his comedian friends like Conan O'Brien, who was devastated. And it, they would talk about that he had a big heart. Uh, one of my favorite things that I go back to time and time again that I remember watching it live was when he went on Conan O'Brien in the early years and um, what's her name from Melrose Place came on and she was advertising the show with Carrot Top and um, I cannot think of her name right now but he Courtney Thorne Smith yes and Norm was just like ripping into Carrot Top going on and on and on it was just all like improv off the top of his head and it was making Conan and even Courtney Thorne Smith and Andy Richter just crying laughing and Andy Richter was listening to an interview recently and he was like he you could tell that he's even though he's making fun of Carrot Top he's caring for Courtney Thorne Smith you know saying like I'll go see it for you I support you 
but he has to make these jokes. So they, they talk about how he did have a really large heart. And I think maybe that is why he didn't want his friends to see him suffer. He wanted them to remember that they, you know, he uh, made them laugh for the good times and all that. So, yeah. So um, how has this fandom helped you throughout your life? And how have you grown because of it? Um, you know, obviously you're, you're a teacher now. So in just, you know, not just when you go and I don't know if you're still doing improv, maybe not right now, but have been or theater or anything, but just as a teacher or in other aspects, other relationships in your life, how has it made a difference? Um, it's definitely being, it's being something in relationships that like I brought my partner into it, but at the same time, it sometimes can get in the way of things. I got to be home on Saturday to watch Saturday Night Live. Do you really? Well, a lot of the time I, I, I did, maybe a little less now with the way things are, but yeah. Um, so definitely brought me together with people. Uh, it, it impacted my career for sure. Um, especially as an improviser and in comedy uh, gave me people to look up to um, comforted me in times of grief. I'd always turn it on. Um, Gave me something to look forward to, especially in the early years. It was like, I, the world is different now, but if you wanted to watch Saturday night live, you stayed up on Saturday night live and here in Canada, it was on at 12.30, not 11.30. Mm -hmm. you, you could record it. You could set your VCR to record it, but that was it. Mm -hmm. If you miss it on Saturday, there's no YouTube. It's over. And you might catch it on reruns in a couple months, but it might only rerun once or twice. Mm -hmm. So oftentimes, it was, it was so topical that you really had to see it on Saturday. So it was kind of, it was really fun and ener energizing to be like, this show is on this Saturday. You look forward to watching it. And yeah. I don't know if the, the landscape now in TV and in pop culture is the same. You don't need to stay up on Saturday to watch it. No, you don't. And that's what originally made it special. And also the original cast and how it all founded was so uh, groundbreaking. And they were, they were, you know, they were the not ready for primetime players. They were they were doing things that they were not supposed to do from day one and you it's become so institutionalized that it's lost a little bit of that however this last cast when COVID hit and they all found a way to use YouTube and to keep it going I was like that is special that's going to set this cast apart from other casts in recent years now say what you want about this recent cast I I do like I do like them um, but I think that's what is significant. Just like the um, the cast that was was around when 9-11 happened, it was, you know, what, Tina Fey, I think Will Ferrell was still there, Daryl Hammond, Molly Shannon, that, you know, when it wasn't as groundbreaking or none of these cast members in recent times as famous as they've gotten, they'd never had the original cast where original cast went around and they have to wear um 
like they'd have to cover themselves up because if they went down the street, they'd get mobbed. That happened back mm-hmm. to those cast members, but doesn't happen like that. But there are moments where certain things are impacted, like the uh, Norm Macdonald and O.J. Simpson, where it pushes the barrier, pushes the pushes against the norm, the norm pushes against it a little bit and or or is a little bit more edgy or is like you said maybe a sense of salvation a sense of something that we need the 9-11 the we're going to find a way to do comedy no matter what even during a pandemic and fortunately even though things are different you can watch it on youtube whatever we have youtube we can all come together from far away and record and Mm -hmm. put something out there and so it's neat to see how it's changed and grown. And another thing that I personally love is that when Don Pardo died, Daryl Hammond came back and um, took over the announcement. That was, I think, very, that is very, very sweet that it's Daryl Hammond, especially have, have you seen or read his book or seen his, the documentary? Yeah, I read his book. Yeah. yeah. And he has a documentary too, as well. And it's pretty much the same kind of thing. And it's, it's my, that's where my hat goes off to Lauren because he kept him around even when he was suffering, he knew. And yet he knew also that this is what was keeping him alive. Mm. So yeah. um, he even said that they said, this guy is melting. He goes, no, this is what's keeping him alive. Keep him around. So mm. it's like, I lost too many people. I'm going to do what I can to help this guy. So so yeah, I, I think that that's where I think we can wrap it up from there. Um, usually at the end of every podcast, if there's anything you want a cl- closing statement, and if there is, if people love you so much and want to connect with you, how may they be able to do that? Um, ooh, I don't know. I guess... Um, just come to my house. I live at one three five. No, 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 uh, no, no. <laughs> I'll just give you my address and have a party. Uh, I guess I'm on Facebook and, and I'm on email and Instagram, right? Yes, although I don't go on Instagram that much. <laughs> okay, okay. <laughs> I'm not making people want to talk to me. <laughs> but um, oh, that's okay. I'm around. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Any closing statements that you want to close with? I just, I want to thank you so much for doing this and for inviting me here. This has been great. Um, yeah. And it's also great to talk to someone who understands what, what it's like and how important it is. Um, Cause some people will say, Oh yeah, SNL is cool, but they haven't seen it in years and they don't really, they don't like it. And it doesn't mean the same thing to people that like us. Right. So it's kind of cool for us to come together and uh yeah, I part of me wants it to go on forever. You know, I don't see. I don't see why I not Yeah. Well, as long I don't know. I don't know how long it'll go on for, but it's uh, pretty amazing. Well, I think that it could. I think that it could. Lauren Michaels is going to pass away one of these days, but I think that enough <laughs> people are going to come together. Let's I mean, end you there. Could, you could, <laughs> yeah, possibly. You could see Tina Fey and Laura, uh, Conan O'Brien coming together to somehow find a way to produce it. Uh, mm-hmm. I could see that. Um, 
with those two specifically. Well, I think one of the things that I loved about it, about this conversation we've had, is it reminds me of way back on the day when we would talk on Messenger while watching SNL. So we'd be sitting there, like I'd be sitting at my computer in my parents' basement during like a break from college or something on Saturday night and I'd be typing and I'd be watching. So I, and we would, as somebody's name would come up, I'd be like, Chris Catan, and you'd say, Sherry O'Terry, like type up. And so it's very similar to that. And I have treasured this, this friendship throughout the years. I'm glad I reconnected with you. Um, so, so yeah, thank you for taking this time to, to share. Thank you for listening to the Fangirl Hour. If you would like to geek out with us on the Fangirl Hour, please email us at cafegirlproductions at gmail.com. Thank you especially to our Cafe Girl Superstar patrons, Kathy Anderson, David Anderson, Dorothy Ninau, and David Glamour Dave Ninau. If you want to find out more about Cafe Girl Productions, head on over to www.cafegirlproductionsinc.com. If you want to support us, head on over to www.patreon.com slash cafegirlproductions. The opening theme song includes segments from the TV shows Night Court, Beverly Hills 90210, Saturday Night Live, The Simpsons, and Doctor Who. The final theme song includes that of my favorite song by songwriters with a z and that is from gemendo.com thank you very much bye